please. Good morning, Zach. Howdy, duty. How's it going? It goes. So what do you yeah. want to talk about? Well, we're going to talk about some uh, some media, some media solutions on the show today. Although always, always a good topic. That's one that's your uh, your go to knowledgeable topic. You even wrote a book about it, I hear. Not necessarily Allegedly. media solutions, but the, the branding aspect. Allegedly. Now, I wrote the first your, draft. Uh, listen to your pod with uh, was it last Friday you were on? With um, Greg Tomchick, yeah, with Greg, yeah, that was. Good. I enjoy that. It's um, it good connecting with him again. Former guest on the show, yeah, doing some interesting things. Continuing Always nice to, to uh, uh, cross promote, work together. It's um, interestingly, um, there was a huge cyber attack uh, with MGM where someone oh, yeah, hacked into yeah, that yeah, entire yeah. system. And he was telling me about this and how it happened. Yeah. All it took was, I don't, I don't know if we talked about this on the show, but it was just, just, just how simple this was. The hacker went into an employee's LinkedIn account, somehow connected with them, asked them for a password on something. The person gave it to them and then they hacked the entire damn system. And if you uh, had a hotel room in Vegas, I think it wasn't just in Vegas. I think it was other places too. I could be wrong, but there was like the hotel rooms, uh, all the slot machines, like you couldn't get into anything. The website's down. Like, oh my goodness! Like, mm. just from like a simple craziness of, hey, I contacted this person and they were gullible. I guess. Wow. I mean, these emails are pretty pretty good these days. Like, you gotta be really like oh, yeah. careful. Like, now they're right. texting. Like, you gotta look at that. Like, it's actually quite scary how. It used to be, you know, the prince in Africa asking for $1,500, yeah. and that was the joking thing. Right, right. These people are a lot more sophisticated now, and if you're, like, not on your A-game looking, you get pretty screwed pretty quick. I mean, I, I remember Garmin. Has, has the Apple Watch ever gone down? Because remember, there was a no. Garmin watch thing, like, yeah. uh, in one and of the Garmin, Garmin paid the ransom, right? Oh, like $10 bucks, I think. Yeah. It's crazy. Simon, when you're building, when you're doing stuff, media solutions, website stuff, do you, do you worry about things from like a cyber attacks with your clients? Like, do you, is there anything around that? Um, well, the, the team we have, they're pretty sophisticated. They're pretty good with, <clears throat> um, with the security, uh, making sure everything is tight. Um, from, from my end, I, you know, we protect our comp, our clients confidentiality. So, um, you know, there's some information that I'm, only me, you know, I'm the only one that's privy to, and I keep that kind of locked away. And then uh, there's other bits of information, depending on how sensitive it is, that's that other people have access to. But yeah, we're we're very aware of it. So, um, but yeah, scary stuff. I mean, yes. it really is. Because we'll have uh, from time to time, we'll have people contact me. Hey, uh, for work that uh, that we may have done together, asking if we have their website or their passport or passport. Password stuff. It's like, dude, we we don't we don't store passwords, especially clients' passwords. And that's just it's not the game we get into. That'd have yeah. been a big mess. Yeah, it's just scary to think about. You know, the, the future of the internet and where we are, and like what that could what, what that could look like. Um, you know, openly, 15, 20 years ago, you never would have thought of like posting your life on the internet. Now that's you know what people do, and like it's just right. It's wild to think about, you know, 1984 when I was born and how, you know, who knows what was going on then. Now, uh, 39, 40 years later, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a wild ride. It's a circus out there. Yeah, I think, um, I think AI is going to make it uh, even more challenging. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I hear, of, you know, scams where people call just to get you to say something and then they record you saying yes to something. And they can use that recording to uh, uh, to get you to authorize things that you didn't really author authorize. Mm. Um, but you know, I think I think though over time, um, people are going to start to see and be able to tell that's AI. You know, I think uh, there's just something about it that we can kind of tell that's that that's AI. But um, just like you said, like the uh, 
you know, when the African prince, you know, asked for your bank account information, you could see that coming a mile away. But yeah, but I think we're going to get you. But good. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm just surprised now some of the different platforms that I sign up for that uh, there's there's no password at all. They just use two factor authentication through your through email and they just send you the temporary six digit uh, pin. Isn't to, uh, to put in. what we're using for this? Doesn't don't they do that? Yeah, I think that I think that's another one. Yeah. So is that safer than a password? What is the thought well, behind that? Because I'm not I'm not I don't get it. I guess uh, I, I could maybe spread, spreading the risk and say, you know, if your if your email password is locked down and uh, encrypted and all that kind of good stuff, that instead of having multiple passwords that people are storing across uh, different things, it's best just to leverage the one pass, uh, password and most protected, as I, what I would assume. But it's just interesting that that's where it's going. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh, I mean, as on my end, I typically deal with uh, people on the branding and the marketing side of things. And I just kind of delegate a lot of the heavy, you know, I'm, I'm concerned with the look and the messaging. Um, and I just delegate the security and all that tech, a lot of the technical stuff to uh, people who know what they're doing, you know. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah. I tell you, with the branding side, I uh, I just I dabbled today with uh, with ChatGPT four because Canva's got their plugin. Yeah, and so I started messing around with that, and man, I was really really underwhelmed, uh, really disappointed. Mm. Granted, it's only going to improve with time, but uh, what did they release? Yeah. Well, so if you you can if you uh, use ChatGPT four, which is the paid version, then you can go to their plugin store, and then you can uh, one of the plugins is is Canva, and so then when you put into the ch the prompt, you know, I make me a template for such and such event, and then it will come back and it will give you different things to look at, and then if you click on it, then it will take you to the actually to your Canva account where you can then edit that graphic. So like on the periphery, uh, like the initial thing, that sounds really, really awesome. But gosh, I was really unimpressed and, and underwhelmed with the initial things that they that they suggested. Um, hmm. But again, I, I mean, that's this early release that uh, I suspect. I mean, it's just going to get better and better and better with time. That's why my man Simon Matthews is excited to be in business because he doesn't <laughs> have to compete against those guys at ChatGPT4 Canva yet. But at the same time, you know, and I'm curious your take, Simon. It's just, you know, if you can, if you find something and you look, you know, and as it improves, if you can start off on second base, first base or second base, and then, uh, you know, it's just tweaking things, and, uh, then that's generally a good thing, I would think. Yeah. So, I mean, like, for instance, uh, I've used, um, I've, I recently got into using um, Chat GPT, kind of integrating it into our workflow. And, um, you know, we had uh, we had did some inter we did some with with one of my clients. We did some uh, leadership interviews, and so I took the the transcript from that interview. I put it into Chat GPT, and I said, "Write a blog for me based off of this um, interview." And it gave me a really good um, structured format. Um, but even then, I still took about two hours to edit it and make it my own. So. Yeah. Um, so I can see that it, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at it, uh, you know, we're looking at it in terms of how does it speed up our own workflow? We're not looking at it in terms of how does it replace us, but right. you know, whatever, whatever gains it gives us, we kind of take that and use it to push what we were going to deliver anyway. We use it to push it a little bit further. So that's kind of how we, we look at it. Where are you right now? I'm actually at Regent. Um, I'm uh, I'm in the uh, it's uh, it's called the Executive Study Suite. No, no, yeah, I think that's what it's called. Um, so I'm a doctorate student. Uh, I'm also uh, getting my uh, doctor's degree here, so they give me access to my own office um, Ooh, on campus. Yeah, is is that on the first floor? This is on the second floor. Okay, so uh, yeah. I'm. Let's say that there's an elevator, right? You got 10, 15, 30 seconds to to. To get to that second floor, you get into the elevator. What's the open door elevator pitch, if you will? 
Oh, the open door elevator pitch. Um, so basically, you know, what my company is, is we, I help, uh, I help business owners with their uh, marketing strategies. And so um, I also help them understand their brand identity. And then after we figure out the brand identity and then come up with strategies, then we actually help with the exec we carry out the execution of, the, of those strategies. Um, so we have a, a creative team. We've got people, we've got uh, animators, we've got game developers, programmers, copywriters, and we all just kind of work together to make uh, uh, creative assets that are very unique, very uh, tailored to that company's brand. And then it, 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 and then we just go from there. So last week, if, if Tim recalls, um, Marwan from Greenlight Auctions, developer focused, I would say, <clears throat> he admitted how important he learned. <laughs> how marketing could I forget, is, Zach? Mar you marketing made sure that nobody business. was going to forget. I know, I know. I, I, I just, you know, Simon, I, I, I'm sure you get this. A lot of people will be like, how important is marketing in a business, right? How important is it really getting that brand out there? How important is it to have awareness for all these things? And I think a lot of people, it does, it does, even marketers sometimes too, will sit there and say, it's just going to somehow sell itself. It's going to be great. I'm just going to do this thing and I'm just going to post it on YouTube. I'm just going to social media. I'm going to do this. And it's going to magically become, I'm going to put it on the app store. That was my favorite one a decade ago. I'm just going to put it on the app store and it's going to be the next thing, the greatest thing since sliced bread. Right. Typically, typically it does not happen. So mm -hmm. I think the title of this this episode was like, does your mark, does your business need to be marketed? Right. If someone asked you that, if you're at an event, you're speaking and someone says, yeah, but does my, does my, does my business really need to be marketed? What's your response to that? Um, the answer is yes, because um, business happens uh, between people, right? It's, uh, it's almost like if I have something of value, but I'm not telling anybody that I'm what I have, you know, marketing is communicating what you have a value and you want that to lead to some form of business transaction. But if you don't communicate it and you don't make it known and you don't uh, communicate it enough so that um, it's at the top of people's mind, then you might have something really fantastic, but does it turn into an actual uh, uh, transaction or an actual business opportunity? So, um, you know, so yeah, you, you, you have to, you have to, it's almost like uh, that saying, if you build it, they will come, you know, and uh, sometimes that, you know, some, but even, even in situations like if you build it, they will come, the message is getting out there. And so, but, uh, but the, the, you know, I like to think about marketing in terms of uh, there's many different forms of marketing, you know, you can, you can market it by, word of mouth. You can market it by trying to promote it on social media. You can market it by sending out brand ambassadors to sing your praise. But the, the bottom line is, is that uh, marketing, no, I'm sorry, sales follows marketing. And so uh, if you've got an issue with sales where no one's coming to you, it's probably because you are not um, putting the word out there about what you're doing. And so, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, got No, I was I'm agreeing with you. It's just it's it's and I tell folks all the time, especially early stage founders, that if you're not tired of telling your story, then you haven't told it enough. And it just it's exhausting. And and it's so easy from you hearing yourself all the time, you you get tired of it really, really quickly. But even then it, it is still not enough. It, it's really yeah. it's difficult. Tim, let me piggyback off that real quick. So someone asked me like how um recently, like, like how did um how were you able to get all these people to your events back in the day? And I said, well, I mean, I can show you our like checklist of things. And they literally were like, Oh, it's a lot of work. And I was like, yeah, like you, we don't just get like this many, like, I think the most we ever had an event was 500 people, maybe. Right. Something like that. And people were like, well, how did you do that? I'm like, here's the list of 300 things that we had to do. And some of those things, like it's of those 300, it was like really difficult things. And it's just like, yeah, that's how like we we were like very focused on on doing a lot of things really well and, and getting people that like you got to do a lot of things. And I don't I think you, people, 
you've got to grind. People, I don't think yeah. people appreciate respect. They just like, I think it's easy. I don't want to use this word, but I'm going to use it. Like they'd be like jealous of some of the things and they just like be mad. Like, well, how is this person doing this? And I'm just like, yeah, but, but I'm clearly doing 50,000 times more than you are. Right. Not one thing. And that's why. And like, you just, I mean, just gotta yeah. think of it that way. It's not a, not a, wasn't trying to be mean to them, but it's just like, just what you gotta do. Like you put right, on a lot of right. events, like you, you got, you gotta do it. You want people to see who you are. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's so, it's so easy. I mean, like a couple days ago, I was lucky enough to go to the Foo Fighters show. Yeah. I mean, that sold out in less than a minute. I did. And like every, everybody talks about the fact that they sold out in less than a minute, you know, but it's like, gosh, they've been grinding for 27 years. I mean, it's just like, so, and then once you get to the top, you have to, you have to work like crazy to stay there. Harder to stay than to get. (laughs) People don't appreciate that. It is way harder to stay there than to, to get there. Yeah. Yeah. I got an interesting story. I I worked with this, uh, with this organization that's been um, in existence for about uh, 48 years. Right. And their um, their attendance, uh, I mean, they would they would fill up events um, and have about a thousand people in attendance. But um, I think um, in the last maybe five or six years, they're just uh, just their attendance has been dwindling down and down and down. And so um, I came on board to help them with their marketing. And one of the things that I saw was um, they really did not want to invest in digital marketing. Um, their uh, you know, they said, oh, well, we, we put an ad out in the paper and nothing came from it. And so they're kind of like traumatized by the investment that they made that didn't work out. And but, you know, after I was I attended a few meetings and I started to see some of the personalities in the room, I started to see that there were your highly charismatic sales type of people um, who were responsible for um, the sales that they did get, the attention that they did get. But they didn't want to, uh, how can how I put it? The effectiveness of that group um, was kind of uh, making it seem as if they didn't need marketers who were actually creating content and putting it out there. Okay. And so I had to argue with, I had to, uh, I had to uh, make the case that you actually need both. You need someone who is creating content that is interesting and making people aware of it. And you also need uh, like boots on the ground people who are actually uh, making those personal uh, uh, um, uh, hit, hitting those uh, personal touch points, okay, to um, actually get people to show up. But usually it's a uh, it's it's the combination of what you're investing in marketing wise. So it's never so if I'm promoting an event, I never just rely on what I'm doing on social media. You you do social media plus you send out text messages, plus you actually touch people because, uh, and, and it's really the combination of that that you'll start to see real results. And, uh, but, but sometimes it's the, it's the mix, you know, it's like radio plus social media or radio, a billboard plus uh, an email marketing campaign. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you think about someone like, uh, how many people? How many people do we do? You think Taylor Swift has on her uh, team for marketing? I mean, it's just these people. Uh, Katy Perry, Taylor Swift. I mean, any any one person, they probably have a team. I I couldn't even begin to guess. Probably a dozen, two dozen people. Yeah, make making content, making graphics, doing whatever. It's just a machine. Yeah. Well, you know, Good. Sorry. Well, my man DJ behind me, um, The Rock returned to WWE last Friday night. Uh-huh. Uh, well, I was, was going to send you something minutes. about what, like 150 million views. Uh, crap ton. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, in 24 hours. Right. Wow. But he, you can like, he has it. He has the WWE engine that obviously is going to promote that, but he also has his engine that is going to promote that and stuff like that. It's just like, this doesn't just happen. Right. Like there, there is a trickle effect. That number isn't just one account. That was a series of accounts too. But like, I was yeah. going to add them to that just like your ESPNs of the world. And I know, I know I've said this before to you, Tim, it's just like, look how hard it is. Look, look, look how much ESPN invests into trying to get people to watch one game a week. Hmm. If they're doing that and they're the juggernaut, that shows me that they have to still remind people a series of times 
a plethora of times that, hey, like, we want you to watch this thing. This is right. the game of the week. We're going to invest even, in that thing. Even if and it's if not even the, the games act, just think about how much that, like, how much went into making the NFL draft something sexy and watchable. I mean, like, 10 years ago, that was just a, a you never even knew that it happened. A weekend and, stupid thing. Obviously yeah. important for those kids, but yeah, they, they've, what, five years ago, 10 years, whenever they started doing it in non New York City, they made a huge event. And but and how, how many months a did they year start... for them to do that? Right. And how, how yeah. long before the actual draft itself do they start marketing the draft? I mean, it's months ahead of time. Yeah. It's, uh, they put they're already into... doing it. It's in Detroit this year. They're already doing it right now. It's nine months from now. It's after, it's after football season. And so, like, people don't get that, right? It's just like, look at the biggest brands that you know. They're doing it. So, if they're doing it, you should probably doing it. Simon's just laughing here. Like, yeah, like this yes. is what I, these are the conversations I have with people. It's just like, yeah, it's like, guys, it's, like, it's important. Well, I mean, what you're doing is I don't want to I don't want to say this, but you know, it's almost like you 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 turn on your hypnotic ray, right? Your your machine to kind of start hypnotizing people as early as possible and conditioning and conditioning them to kind of um, you know, when it comes time to make that decision, they're they're they can't help but think about you. You know, and so it's it's all uh, it's, uh, you know, I think about uh, the Geico Gecko. Right. You know, he's he sells, you know, they're selling a very unsexy product. Nobody's up talking about insurance. Right. Mm -hmm. But in, and if you notice, their commercials aren't really talking about insurance. They're talking about something that's going to make you laugh. But what yeah. they're doing is they're kind of keeping you entertained so that um when you get in an accident and now you're thinking about insurance because you don't think about insurance unless you just got into a fender right. bender, you think well, about that stupid gecko. You, you yeah. see what I mean? And that's the strategy well, even, behind it. Even before we went live here today, be, uh, before uh, we were talking about the naming of the storms as there's a, something passing through, I mean, like that was just a brilliant move. You name these storms and now you're like, you're, you, you get sucked into it just as you were saying, Simon, you, you feel compelled to have to tune into the weather channel to find out what, Hurricane Lee or whatever storm uh, of the day or week is, you know, watching the track to see what's going on and right. Jim Cantor or whatever, you know, when he's everyone taking pictures of him in the airports, <laughs> knowing wherever he's going, you know, it's about to go down. I mean, it's just, they, you get sucked into it. Yeah. And, and it, the, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, like I tell my clients, um, what are you, when they're trying to come up with their brand, a lot of times they, when they, you know, new new customers, they 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 come in and they try to emulate what other people are doing, and um, and you know, I think that's uh, you know, there's some value in in taking note to what successful people are doing, but at the end of the day, um, you're different from them, and so you actually have to um, you have to kind of decide what is it that you want people to associate with your brand, okay. So, for instance, my company, we do animation. We create animation. And um, if, I, if I wanted a brand where I wanted people to, um, every, th every time they thought about making an, an animated explainer video, I want them to think about Simon or I want them to think about Open Door Media Solutions. So I have to intentionally, in all of my communications, figure out how do I, how do I create that association? Um, <clears throat> and... and you know, you take some a company like uh, an organization like Walmart, right? When you think about low cost groceries, um, that's that's Walmart's going to pop up in most people's heads. Or if I if I ask you, hey, uh, when I when I say uh, low cost fast food, you know, nine times out of ten, the same company crops up in people's heads. Because you better say the golden arches. Exactly. Because and that's my D's. point. And so what it shows is, is that they have such a, so, so they're not only known as the, um, as a low cost fast food company, but they have such a strong association with that word, you know? So you, it's almost like measuring how strong is that? Like there are plenty of other low cost fast food places, but that one came, that one surfaced so quickly. And that is a testament to how strong that, particular descriptor is associated is tied and linked to the golden arches. And so businesses need to understand how is it that like, for instance, with my company, I want people to be, I want my company to be known for 
that we're an ambitious company. We pay attention to detail. Um, we, we, we're, we're a company, we, we value faith. Okay. Um, what is it? We're, we, we value diversity of, of, of perspective. So I've got, I've got a, maybe just a list of about five associations that I want people to associate with my company. So mm -hmm. everything that I'm doing needs to kind of support those associations. So if I, if I want people to think that, uh, to, if I want to be known for the guy who's a, who has a, who pays atten close attention to detail, um, in every one of my communications, I'm going to really be kind of quality controlling it and checking it for accuracy. Now, I might be a company that doesn't care as much about details, right? And that's perfectly fine, right? Because that could be your brand. But um, and, and you can you if you're if you're that kind of company, you can certainly create content a lot faster than a company like me who <laughs> if I'm really, really a stickler for details, it means I'm going to hold on to content a lot longer before I release it. But that's just are we, the we, are we talking pixel level detail or uh, or or just the, the uh, tweaking words or uh, different shapes, colors? Oh, there, there's so many, there are so many different <laughs> layers of detail that I agonize over. I, I wouldn't say agonize over, but that I consider. And so, uh, you know, of course, uh, grammar, of course, the tone of voice, you know, um, um, my audience, uh, you know, you know, just just the composition of the graphics. So, uh, you know, and, and, and this is the, the interesting thing is if I get something from AI, even though it's perfect, I'm going to say, no, it's not quite right. I need to I need to bring this. Uh, I need to I need to bring this into conformity to what I needed to be. Uh, Simon uh, open door uh, DNA needs to be within that product. It's, it's got to pass through multiple filters before I'm ready to put it out. And so it's a it's like a full time um, job. But some of my clients, you know, they they really appreciate it. Well, I would say I think pretty much all of my clients appreciate that level of detail. So from a branding perspective, what would you say to, let's say, an Internet company whose um, customers Internet goes out? every Thursday, sometime between the times of 11 and, and, and 12, um, on no matter what goes out, no rhyme or reason, how, how would uh -huh. you say that they handle a situation like that? Um, cause you know, you see a lot of, a lot of people on the, uh, on the internet are, are negative from a consumer perspective, from a customer perspective, from a, from a branding perspective, from the actual business that has something negative that happens to their uh -huh. customer in, in something as simple as losing internet for a couple right. of moments. How would you respond to that? What, what would, what would be, what would be the thing that you say to them? So my, my advice would kind of be different based on um, where that organization is. So if you have a monopoly, then you can kind of, uh, and there's not a lot of comp, there's no competition nipping at your heels. Um, you know, my advice would be a slightly different, but, you know, in, in general, um, you know, and I think this applies for every company, uh, you, you have a relationship with your, um, with your, your clients and um, things that you do or things that you don't do when you, when you don't live up to people's expectations, that can wear on the relationship. And uh, if, you, if you are a monopoly, um, then, uh, and people don't have much choice then, uh, you know, they tend to uh, move a little slower to uh, repair any damage caused. And, and, they, and at that point, it's just a matter of they're looking at what can, how, how, what can they get away with, right? Um, but uh, I think, uh, I think the, the, the right thing to do is just to kind of, uh, you know, number one, fix the problem. And, uh, and uh, you know, I don't know, maybe offer some, uh, maybe offer a discount or some kind of, uh, 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 do, do something just like if I was to show up late for a meeting as one of my buddies. Right. Um, I have a friend, he was, he was late, like 45 minutes, 45 minutes late for a meeting. And I was like, I was boiling mad at him, but he kind of went, he, he, he went and he's like, uh, he figured out a way to make it up to me. So he like, uh, I forget how he did it, but Again, it's relationship. 
You know, you gave I'm someone businesses. 45 minutes though. That's, that's aggressive. Oh, well, he's a, he's a, I've known him for over 13 years. So, but if he was just a, <laughs> if he was a, you know, but um, I have, I've extended some grace to him. But my point being is that, uh, you know, a business has a relationship with its uh, clients. And just like any other relationship, you, uh, you know, if, if you want to uh, have a good relationship with your wife, there's certain things you got to do to keep it strong. And so uh, and that's that's the same way with a company and its and its consumers. I think for these really massive companies, um, uh, B2C uh, organizations, it's difficult for take, for instance, Apple to have a real genuine relationship with its consumers or uh, Verizon to have a genuine relationship with its consumers. So um, mistakes um, um, have a greater, greater impact. But if you're a smaller company, right, and, you, and, you, uh, and your thing is um, uh, uh, you're, you're big in terms of customer service and personal relationship, um, then I, I think, uh, I think it's, it's easier for uh, small businesses to try to, like, um, uh, mend those fences. But when you're a huge business and, and those, those transactions are really just transactional, they're not relational, um, I think uh, there's not a lot of grace. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I, so here's a adding on to that. And, and Andrew, we, we can clip this and we can use this later. But uh, so last week I was listening to This Week in Startups, as I always do every single morning. It's just part of my morning, my morning thing. And they, uh, that particular episode I was listening to, they had Scott Tannen on. He's the uh, founder and CEO of uh, Bull and Branch, the, the bed sheets. And uh, they, he, he went, it was really enlightening. I mean, I don't know anything about bed sheets. I, I've heard the term thread count. Doesn't really mean a whole lot to me, but uh, yeah, it was. Egyptian cotton. Well, you know, and I learned that uh, like the average age, the, the average life expectancy for a cotton farmer in India was 36 or 37 years old. Uh, and that's primarily because they're carrying backpacks and then with the chemicals and pesticides and everything they use on the cotton, yeah, that obviously greatly reduces the uh, life expectancy of these farmers. So like they're really, really they're big into organic and, and doing all the right things. And I was like, wow, I went back, I came back home and I told my wife about it. And, you know, then I, I put something on, posted to X uh, when this week in startups uh, talked about the episode. And I was like, uh, gosh, now I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to need a promo code because of, uh, you know, I'm going to have to invest in these sheets. And sure enough, you know, Scott slid me into, you know, slid into the DMs, you know, and he uh, was like, hey, thanks for listening. I'm going to, you know, here's a promo code for it to use. Gave me a promo code. And now last night I had my first night in my Bull and Branch sheets. And, uh, dude, it was like I was on a, on a, va look, I was on a vacation. Sheets were like, uh, chef's kiss. Great, great sheets. We, uh, I mean, the, everything was awesome. It was, it was, it was good stuff. So now, you know, I, there's a customer for life. Okay, so so I'm interested in how do they get around the 37 year old death rate of that? What like what where are they not making them in 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 cotton fields now? Like what's the no? They are so like what but what well, yeah so what they're doing now is they're like hey we are now we we want to source all of our cotton from from all of these particular farmers in India in order for you and so if we're going to buy all of your cotton here are the things that we need you need to abide by no chemicals no pesticides fair labor and wages uh all fair trade things that uh that you have to abide by hmm. um and then for them uh for the farmers it's great because it's guaranteed revenue uh they yeah, from a business sense uh it makes sense how much were the sheets i mean i they're, I don't know, they're, they're a few, few hundred bucks for, for some sheets. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the quality of cotton is, uh, gets softer with each wash is what they, what they say. And I get so I learned a lot about sheets. Maybe that's part of the Spokes, aging process. Spokes I don't know. Tim Ryan. What's <laughs> the I mean, but I, Bowling Branch. 
And you see, you see some of the uh, commercials on TV or whatever, you know, but uh, I, I, I underestimated the, uh, the benefits of quality sheets. So it was a, how do you, how do you take that, what they just told you and prove it? Right. Cause I think there's a lot of people if I, and either of you can, can jump on yeah. this, but like people will kind of like be deceiving where they're like, yeah, it's well, like, it's and, this. and so, and he, he talked about that on the show and he said that, uh, you know, now on your, on the tag of your sheets, they're getting they're they either getting ready to launch it or just, just launched this. There's a special, t- uh, no, you, you can look at the number on the sheets and then you can track, you can trace that back to exactly what farm that the cotton came from. And so like they're they're all in on uh, on the fair trade aspect. Cuz the first time I've actually I actually saw that in in action was when I watched Super Size Me 2 where Morgan Spurlock is trying to open a fast food joint and he's like, mm-hmm. "Here I'm going to show you guys how to get all these labels. You know, Choice, USDA, Farm Raised, things like that." And he's like, "This is how easy it is to get that stuff and you see it and you you see like uh, for like the chickens, all he had to do was take the exact same, uh, I'm just going to call it a uh, barn, open the door up a little bit, put a fence on it and have that wow. fence be out one foot, put a little fence around that. And that meant farm raised or something like that. He's like, yeah, that's wow. all you had to do. And so it's like, technically, yes, it's that, but it's, it's, it's not in that case. And he was trying to just articulate that, Hey, like this is a very corrupt industry. And so that's where I was going with, with the sheets aspect wow. of it. And so it's, it's, we're uh, misled a lot. And that's. And the thing is, man, like how I, I can't, remember, I don't know how many years I was in Germany. I was in Germany long, long, long time ago when I was in the air force. And like part of it, when you're out in the village, that was one of the things that all the, the restaurants would do. I was right on the front window. Uh, they would have like a list where all of the hogs or the pigs came from. So when you got your schnitzel, you knew exactly where they sourced all of that pork mm. from so that you can go and you can see if you want to drive by that farm and uh, see how they're raised. To yeah. Pretty interesting I mean, I, stuff. I think it's, I think it's hilarious. Like uh, uh, you, you can go to the supermarket and you see something like pickles and it'll be this big label gluten-free, right? <laughs> it's like, why would pickles have gluten in them? You know? And uh, um, I, I think from a I think from a business point of view, uh, I think businesses can educate people on how to um, on on how to uh, uh, sniff out kind of fakes or phonies um, if if you have the budget to do that, you know. Um, but a lot of small businesses don't, uh, you know. I mean, there, there's a lot of different tactics you can use to kind of. Um, um, uh, you know, re- reveal people who are using deceptive marketing to kind of, uh, um, you know, take advantage of like certain diets, like, oh, this is gluten or this is, uh, you know, and they're just making stuff up. But if I'm a competitor of that company making it up, I was just kind of, I don't have to necessarily call them out. I can just run a campaign that's educating people on, hey, you know, this is, these are some things to look out for. Jumping on a bandwagon with the pickles and gluten. I didn't know that yeah. they didn't have gluten in them. Who knows? I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think gluten has to do with bread, right? I, I don't right. I'm sure they're trying to jump on. With, with yeah, they're meat. jumping on that thing. I guess maybe. I think you got gluten-free bacon. I mean, you'll go in there, you'll see bacon or something. <laughs> gluten-free bacon. It's like, okay, that's it's kind of silly. It, it it is silly when you think about it. Yeah. yeah. It, it all takes a lot of work. Yeah, I mean, all that all that to say, uh, the last 10 minutes that we've been talking, it takes a lot of work. And from the big companies to the small companies, especially, it's just, it all adds up. I mean, it just, even going back to the Bull and Branch thing, I mean, he's a busy guy. He's the CEO. He's probably got a bazillion things. And was he the person that created the promo code for me? No. But that that, that little five minutes of work that it took, the lifetime value now that that he was able to turn that into is really significant and uh that's what new small business new uh founders of businesses need to think about is that lifetime value and what are you doing how are you branding yourself as a company to establish that lifetime value yeah 
How um how frequently do you change your sheets? In between, like when you're talking like outside of washing. <laughs> how often are you changing your like changing yeah. your sheets? Well, like, they, so yeah, he said this. that. Yeah, well, uh, well, he, those sheet the the bull and branch sheets uh, they said would last a hundred washes uh, or more. He said that uh, you know that they will they you will get bored of your sheets before they will wear out. Hmm. But you change your sheets every week, every month, every two weeks. How often are you? I am. I am very, very fortunate to have a wonderful wife that. Uh, okay, but now, handles all of it. Yeah, so keeps, you don't know when it, you don't know me. when it happens. You don't know the frequency. It's just magic. It's magic. <laughs> How about you? Oh uh, well. A long time ago, it was a long time. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I, it's scary. Yeah, you know, here we Months. are. We're talking about yeah, like uh, yeah, we got to get Andrew on the show. Yeah, coming from the college times, you know, every, what yeah. like once a semester. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> was that ridiculous? Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. I would say three weeks is probably my frequency at this point. Maybe two. Um, it's mm. a, it's it's a more frequent now than ever before. Um, and I think there's a lot of data that kind of enforces why you should do that on a more frequent thing. They didn't talk about that for, um, on, on this week in startups, like how often no, people were changing their shoes. No. no, I think about one week is about the goal. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. I just hate changing the damn sheets, getting around those corners. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. Deep pockets, yeah. man. You have to have the deep pockets to, uh, make, makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, I see Simon, Andrew in the Andrew in the background oh. has said eight eighteen weeks. He changes the sheet every eighteen <laughs> weeks. <laughs> uh, Simon, what do you uh, what, what are you pursuing your PhD in? So it's a it's not a PhD. It's a um, it's oh. a it's called a doctorate in strategic leadership, and um, and uh, it, I mean that's what it is. It's in it's it's understanding leadership. And um, I recently got my MBA. Um, I, well, I wouldn't say recently; it was last last summer. I got my MBA with a concentration in marketing, and then uh, uh, I kind of felt like there's still more that I need to know. And so um, I, I, I went and, uh, to to do the uh, leadership uh, studies. Um, so um, I kind of like to kind of describe the difference of the MBA helps you understand how business functions. Right. Um, but then the leadership part actually helps you understand how people function, because mm -hmm. you can you can understand how a business operates. You can understand how your 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 uh, your payroll department and your your accounting and all that stuff works. But um, how do you actually get people to show up to work for you? You know, um, how do you get people to be good employees for you? You know, those are not that has nothing to do with whether you have an MBA or not. That has to do with yeah. you know, how good of a person are you? How good of a leader are I, you? It's, it's really almost come to the point now, uh, ever since COVID happened, that it's just easier to be lazy and say that, oh, we can't do we can't meet your expectations because of labor shortages, as opposed to digging deep within your leadership of the organization and you stepping up and, and creating a place where people want to work. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, and that's been, I mean, I mean, I, I think that's, uh, uh, you, you take, for instance, you've got some leaders who are such great leaders, they can motivate you to, uh, to die for them. <laughs> and then you got other leaders who they can't, they can't even motivate you to, uh, to get out of bed in the morning. And so it's like, when you figure that piece out, you know, how, how, how 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 um, how essential is that to growing your business? You see, and um, and uh, as it relates to marketing, you know, a lot of times I'll I'll help uh, people define their brand, and it really doesn't match who they are, right? So <clears throat> that's kind of why I decided I wanted to do the leadership studies because when I do work with clients, I want to understand who they are. So mm -hmm. that I'm not creating this fictitious entity, but that the brand I'm developing, it actually has its basis in who the leadership is. 
So is it safe to say that not every client that wants to work with you, you're willing to work with? Yeah, that's that's true. I think in the in my <laughs> beginning years, when I first started, I started this business like seven years ago. I would take anybody. Sure. You I know, think that that's the I case would, for every everyone. Yeah, I would take anybody. But when um, uh, but now I'm a lot more uh, picky and, um, you know, thankfully, you know, my communications, I hope that I'm not communicating in such a way that I attract the wrong kind of people. You know, I think that if I'm communicating my brand identity correctly, then I'm not going to get uh, I, I think just by me doing that alone, it would deter the wrong type of clients for me. Does that make sense? No, it totally makes sense, especially when you look at it like uh, when Zach and I are working with founders and we're talking about market segmentation and what, what side of the market are you going to go after? That, you know, part of it is one is, yeah, who are you, you know, who is the right fit from the marketing standpoint? But the other side goes to you from the leadership side of you know, if you're going to be recommending different strategies to implement from a marketing and branding standpoint, they have to have the, the leadership chops and understanding and the ability to execute what you're trying to tell them to do in order exactly. for it to be successful. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's a, that's a huge thing. Um, I, I, uh, I work with, um, I've worked with salespeople and it's, it's funny. So I've got an operations background. So my, I spent 11 years in the uh, engineering and manufacturing industry. And I was an operations manager. So my, uh, I worked for a company that was in New York City, and they came to uh, Baltimore. Um, my my job was to um, just get the job done, um, just to to execute. So I have a real appreciation for like um, coming up with a strategy and actually executing it. Um, now, uh, when I talk with uh, clients. Uh, a lot of times they'll live in this kind of aspirational space. Like this is who they want to be, but it's a huge difference in who you want to be versus who you are right now. And I think a good marketer can kind of help, um, kind of help them uh, um, differentiate from their aspirational self versus their self right now. And to uh, understand how to kind of balance that communication. Um, and so, uh, I think from an operations, my operations background, I'm listening for, okay, how are we going to get this done? Like, I know that you want to be the biggest company on the East coast. Okay. But do you have the money to pay me and my team to drop everything to right. work exclusively for you? And most of the time the answer is no. Okay. So it's like, okay, so let's reel back, um, this, uh, you know, you know, let's, 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 I, I'm, I appreciate your vision, but now let's look at what we actually have to work with. Well, and I think even on that note, it's, do you understand how big you really want to get? Do you understand the ramifications of that? Like when it's yeah. you and just a couple of people that might be comfortable, right? That might, mm -hmm. that, and not even comfortable in a bad way. Like just might be like, okay, this is, this is a good size of business for me. Right. Right. You you double that or or a couple of times double it and it's it's too overwhelming and they're not willing to to deal with that. Like that's something that I I, I think is often overlooked, um, not only from the person starting the business, but even people who are associated with like, you know, entrepreneurial organizations that are like, oh, you know, you can be this big thing. It's like, yeah, like, I don't know that I want to handle 20, 200, 2000 people like I yeah. just I just want to do this thing. And. I think that's where people maybe burn out, feel like, feel the loss of the business. Like it's not, mm -hmm. not even if it's a hundred percent theirs, like it's not anymore because like it, they can't be doing the things that they want to. And, and I think that's maybe some soul searching with themselves being like, okay, like how big do I really want to see this thing? And it's like, I was talking to someone the other day and they're like, I only want to see this double one more time. And it's not that much bigger to, to yeah. do that number. And I was like, look, I, I appreciate that. Cause I think a lot of people would be encouraged to, you know, 20 X something. It's like, what does that mean for you if you 20x that thing? Are you willing, like imagine Tim, whatever, like something that you're doing, you had to 20x that. It's like, well, maybe that means you can't run in the morning. What would that do to your psyche? You know, right. what would that do to the mental aspect? What would that do to 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 the family aspect? And I just think people maybe underappreciate and don't even think about that at yeah, any time in the business. It's it's so funny because so so um 
So uh, the guy I worked for a long time ago in Baltimore, um, at the time I worked for him, the, the factory was 16,000 square feet. Mm. And then, um, and that was 13 years ago. And so um, I, I, I worked there and, you know, once I took, uh, took um, ownership of the operations, I got the company profitable. But anyway, since then I left. And so I still keep in contact with him. That uh, I went back to the factory to visit and they're now 70,000 square feet. Okay. He bought a 100,000 square feet factory, I think in Indiana, a second 100,000 square feet factory uh, in Michigan. And then he bought another factory in Texas um, that has been around for 125 years. Right. And so I'm like, I mean, way back when, when I was working for him, he was one of these super driven people. I mean, it's like this guy didn't sleep, right? He would, he would wake up and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shake hands with the president. And then he was, you know, on the newspaper shaking hands with the president, right? He's, uh, so he was this, he's an incredibly driven person. I'm like, why, why, are you, why are you doing this? When is enough enough? And he's like, uh, you know, for him, there's just doesn't really seem to be an end to how much he wants to expand. And it was uh, even when I was working for him, it was a it was a lot of work keeping up with a person like that. But he paid really well. Right. Money was never an issue. It was can you get the job done? And, you know, we can never say that he didn't give us enough resources. Money wasn't an issue. Um, but, you know, People like that are very rare. And I think you have to understand what kind of a person are you. Like when he says he wants to be number one in the industry, I believe him. A hundred percent believe him. Right. But most most business owners, they kind of say, well, I'm supposed to say I want to be number one. Right. So I'm just going to say I'm going to be number one. But it's like the reality is. Are you actually able to put in the work? Um, and stress yourself to be number one. Like, let's be real. Are you happy yeah. with being number five? <laughs> well, and, and Zach and I talk about this all the time on the show in the sense of like, in some aspects, Shark Tank was great because it brought entrepreneurship uh, on the map and, and, and there was a spotlight on it that it had never been before. But at the same time, you know, the, and then the whole branding of, oh, you need to be the next unicorn. You need to be raising money. You need to be doing this and doing that. And, you know, and then everybody just felt like that's what they needed to do. Whereas, like, you yeah. need to look at yourself in the mirror right away. And it's like, you know what? There's nothing wrong with the lifestyle business. I can make a, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year as a business. And I'm able to put my kids on the bus in the morning, see them get off the bus in the afternoon go to all their events. That's totally okay. Yeah. But you, but you have to decide that for yourself. You can't yeah. let someone else make that determination for you. And, and the important thing is, is that it's really like, why are you start, why did you start this business? You know, and right. uh, if you're trying to be number one uh, and you're in a highly competitive um, environment, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, your profits, you know, there's not a lot of profit there because there's so many competitors you know, um, you know, you, you, the amount of profit is not really um, there's not a whole a ton of profit margin in industries that are highly competitive. So people who are in those spaces, they have to be in order to survive. You have to love, love, love what you're doing. Right. And so there's a ton of sacrifice. And so uh, the, but the, the fact is, is that if you really are just trying to start your business so that you can have some independence so that you don't have to punch in a punch a clock. And so that you can uh, build up some wealth, um, just kind of, you know, figure out where you really fit. Like not everybody's going to be a heavyweight. You know, you might be a lightweight. And the sooner you realize what you what uh, the, the sooner you're honest with yourself and you realize what kind of fights you should be getting into, I think the happier you're going you're to be, you know, and I and I think uh, my mistake uh, when I first uh I don't know if it was a mistake, it's, it, but uh, when I first uh, started my business, I was going after, I mean, any challenge I could get my hands on, I was, I was going after it. Then I started to kind of get burnt out. And then um, I started to say to myself, you know, I don't need to pursue every opportunity. You know, I can let some opportunities just kind of keep going. And, and now, now I'm at a point where I'm, I'm like, 
you know, it's more important that, you know, I'm healthy, more important that my wife is happy, more important that uh, my team isn't overstressed. And so, um, you know, but I think I don't think that you just wake up and know who that person is. I think you have to kind of get out there and try and try and try. And then you kind of um, you, you kind of learn, you know, what kind of battles you want to get into. Does that? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. How, how do you determine what battles you pick and choose? Um, Did you just sum it up? Is it just really looking deep within yourself and looking at the mirror and saying, yep, this is this is what I want to go after. This is this is not. Um, I think for me, um, it was multiple. Um, I mean, you know, there there are some. Um, I mean, I think I arrived at that answer uh, a, a lot of different ways. Uh, but what I, what I, when I'm working with clients, I'll kind of tell them, um, um, uh, you know, what, what kind of business do you want to run? Do you want to run a safe, quiet business, right? And um, typically, safe, quiet businesses, they tend to be high in bureaucracy, right? Low in creativity, all right? It's, it's not a, it, think about someone who sells paper, right? <laughs> it's not a sexy business, right? Right. Dunder Mifflin. Right. Um, it's, it's, you know, and then on the other side of the spectrum, you got Apple, right, who has to compete. They have to stay number one, you know. So um, uh, one one end of the spectrum, the the number ones, life kind of sucks in a way. I mean, but they, they love challenges. They love taking big risks. And on the other side, you got people who they, they don't really want to take huge risks. They just like predictability and stability. So the question is, is that what kind of person are you? Can you live for a long time in an in a in an unstable environment, right? Where it's not predictable. You have to constantly be on your um, um, uh, on your A game, and it's really what kind of risk do you want to take as a business owner? And if you're the type of business owner who wants to play it safe all the time, um, then you know, uh, you're not going to be that number one. You see, does that yeah, make sense? That's yeah, that's I, kind of my. It's like, what's your risk tolerance, right? What what right. do you have the stomach for? Let's first depend the um, de decide on that. Now, people who uh, who are nickel and diming you and arguing you over you uh, arguing over a couple hundred bucks, that's one sign that you're not you're not really uh, a number one kind of. Uh, person, right? You're, you're, you're counting pennies and you really don't want to take a huge risk. Um, but the guys who are just like, look, I know you can do the job. How much is it going to take to do it? How soon can you get started? Those are good signs that this is a person who really wants to be um, at the top of their industry. I prefer the Michael Scott paper company, just, just FYI. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I, I was sad to see that one go. Um, it didn't last as long as it should have, but you know, yeah. Th thank you for trying in those, uh, in those hard times, Michael Scott paper company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So much what, of, uh, no, it is so much of what we talked about is it, it, it all stems back to leadership and who you are as a perfect person and who you want to be as a leader. And it's just, I find it a really fascinating topic. Yeah, it is. And it is. And I, I, uh, you know, um, yeah, and I and I think uh, when I talk to when I talk to my clients, I, uh, I'm looking at I first start with who are they, you know, and I, I start with what are your skills, what are you really good at, and um, when I'm developing their brand identity, it's not based off of what it's not based off of um, what uh, I'm not looking at the big boys and trying to make them emulate them. I'm looking at what do they bring to the table? And then how do we, how do we kind of um, turn that into a brand? Um, and so, uh, so yeah, but um, yeah, your, your brand should contain, it should just really be an, an extension of who you actually are. 100% agree. And mm -hmm. gosh, I could, this is something I could talk about a long, long time. I, uh, and I did, did not expect that we were going to be able to take this, take this journey down the leadership road. So that's, uh, that's super cool. What, 
What's something that we uh, we haven't talked about that you would like to talk about? Um, well, uh, this next, not this Friday, but um, Friday the 29th, I'm actually having a uh, doing a marketing uh, strategy presentation at the Hive um, in, oh, this, cool. in, in Town Center. And so uh, lunch is provided for free. And so I'll be um, helping business owners uh, conceive of and develop strategies. We'll, we'll look at the different popular strategies that are out there. And then uh, most importantly, I'll be helping them. Uh, I'll be giving them some insights on how do you actually execute them? Because, um, uh, you know, I did some research and found that, um, uh, what is it, 50 to 90 percent of all strategies fail during the implementation phase. It's all and about so, execution. And it's so it's all about execution. So um, the actual implementation has a lot to do with um, leadership. And so uh, so that's kind of that's what I want to I'm going to be talking to people about. And uh, if, if your listeners want to register, there's still time to register. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll make sure that we get that link in uh, in the show notes. And when we push out the uh, different clips throughout the week, we'll make sure that uh, that's included in there as well. Awesome, cool. Well, on the uh, on behalf of Zach, I think that he is with us. But uh, it's really been a an enjoyable hour. Uh, thank you for your time. It was uh, super enlightening. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good seeing you again, Zach. <laughs> You too. This 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 isn't a recorded thing. I came back. The internet came back. You know, I only lost three times today. That's a world record. Thank you to my internet provider, who I will not um, <clears throat> say who they are out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Good seeing you, Simon. Peace. Right. Thanks for you watching. Too. So long, everyone.